Well, you know, ministry is unpredictable. Um, I've been ministering 40 years now, but uh, you can't, we're going through Nehemiah, and you know, when Nehemiah faced opposition, uh, Nehemiah still kept going. You're listening to the Leadership Lessons Podcast, hosted by Pastor Daniel Williams, a podcast to encourage and equip church leaders. Brought to you by eeleaders.com. Well, hey, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Leadership Lessons Podcast. As we're going to do something special leading up to season five, I have seven bonus episodes to complete the book of Nehemiah with my dad. It's so great to have you, and I'm hoping that this episode blesses you as we continue further and farther into the book of Nehemiah. We are back at it again with Pastor Joe Williams here, this time not in Tacoma, Washington, but in sunny South Florida. Uh, My mom and dad are visiting from Washington State in South Florida, uh, celebrating their anniversary and just enjoying vacation and a good old time. But yet I've asked him to work a little bit as I'm working hard and diligently to give you the rest of um, a new season coming out. Uh, more good content. I wanted to give you the rest of Nehemiah, and I figured, hey, since I interviewed him for Nehemiah up to the wall being complete, we got some more Nehemiah to do because it doesn't end in chapter six. It actually keeps going. And so what I wanted to do uh, is give you guys some bonus episodes, more of just conversation with my dad, uh, Pastor Joe Williams, Pastors Calvary Chapel in Tacoma, uh, 40 years of ministry experience. Again, these are questions that are off the cuff. He doesn't know what's coming. Um, But you know, ministry is an overflow of the heart. So we'll just see what we got going on. And we're going to have a conversation It's going to be good. And I think it will bless you guys. Uh, Before we get into our subject today, uh, Reverend Joe Williams. He loves when I call him that. It's pretty funny. Um, What have you been up to? It's been about a year and a half since we talked uh, last on a podcast. Uh, But, um, you know, what's God been teaching you? What you've been up to? And how's everything going in life and ministry? I'm trusting right now, probably, uh, I'm relying right now on the Holy Spirit more right now than when I first started. Because I think ministry is harder now than when I first started. It's just so much out there, and uh, there are just so many people who are not in fellowship. So I've, I've learned over the years just just minister to the people who come in. You know, your church might be a small church. Like our church is very small, 50 or 60 people, uh, sometimes only 30 people, you know. So uh, when you do it as long as I have, uh, you don't look at that anymore. You look unto the Lord and his word and the spirit and say, Lord, whoever comes in, I'm going to minister to those people and I'm going to put the rest in your hands and uh, go from there because we're really walking by faith and not by sight. Well, what what um, sort of insight or wisdom would you give someone maybe newer in the ministry? When I mean new, even like five or 10 years compared to 40, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you now have longevity in ministry. You've seen a lot of things you may have not gone through many pandemics but you've gone through a lot of trials and testing yeah. what advice wisdom encouragement would you give someone who is struggling going through a hard time um 
how do you how do you make it how do you how do you make it in the long run and finish well in ministry i think you just have to stay to it stay stay uh stay to it uh what you're going through i've been through those things don't think that you're the only one don't think that you're doing something wrong don't think that uh man you know uh if I had done this and done that. No, we all have gone through those same things. We've gone through those trials. We've gone through those same exact situation. Personally, I learned more from people who are honest enough to tell me the trials that they have gone through. You know, when I hear all these success stories, success this, and man, everything they touch is that so, so, so successful all the time. I kind of wonder, well, man, don't they ever have any trials? Well, we've had many trials, but we've also seen uh, the faithfulness of God through those trials. Because really, it's his ministry, right? It's not your ministry, and it's his people. Yeah, he's made us overseers, right? But yeah, we're overseers, and we're only limited. We are so limited to what we can do. Uh, and I think that's the way God wants it. He, he don't want us to reach the point where we rely upon ourselves, you know, Paul said, my sufficiencies in Christ. So the things that you're going through, uh, I've been through those things, you know, the hardships, the, the financial, the unemployment, the, you know, things around the house breaking down and cars breaking down and people leaving and uh, people, you know, criticizing. And, you know, you just do the best you can. And put the rest in God's hands. Because don't feel like you're the only one. Any, any pastor that will be honest will tell you that they have been through those things. And some pastors are still going through them. I don't, I don't think it will never end. I just think it's part of the ministry. It's just part of the call. Those things are going to happen. So just stay, stay where you are and stand and keep going. That's some good advice. You got to keep on going. Bible says, if we do not labor in vain, if we do not give up, so we got to be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And this is what really what we see in Nehemiah in his leadership. Uh, in chapter six, we see him complete the wall. It's a, it's a miracle. 52 days. Incredible. However, did you notice how the book of Nehemiah doesn't end in chapter six? It keeps going because ministry is like that. It just goes on and on and on uh, because the goal wasn't the wall or the project, it was about the people to protect the people. And so we're going to talk about that and have this book sort of teach us some more principles, more things uh, about ministry and leadership as we talk to church leaders here in just sort of a conversational style and learning more about Nehemiah. And so today we're going to talk about how the work never ends, Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 17 uh, through chapter 7. And so how important is it to know that the work will never stop? That what he calls us to, um, dealing with people, loving people, how important is it for you as a pastor to set boundaries and to learn to take rest? Because if not, you're going to go 24-7 and there's always stuff to be done. And when we're talking about the work never ends, how important for a, for a is it for a pastor, for a husband, for a, a wife, or whatever capacity or thing we're called to, to have actually some boundaries and to say, okay, I got to trust God, I need to take some rest. You know, when you feel yourself getting tired and need a break, you should take a break. You should have people in your fellowship, hopefully. Uh, I don't know if you do or not. They can teach where you can maybe take a break. Uh, you got to know who they are. You got to learn to delegate as much as you can, knowing that 
this is not a one man show. You can't do it all, all by yourself. Uh, you, you got people there that God will bring in your fellowship to help you. You, got, you. you know who they are because they are already serving. That's how I choose my leaders. I choose people who are already serving. They are self-motivated. They are very, uh, you don't have to tell them to do uh, uh, things in the ministry. Uh, that They see something that needs to be done. They just take that initiative and they'll do it without even being asked. Those are the people that I watch. The, the work is never going to stop, especially at my age. You know, I just turned 75. You know, in my particular situation, you guys might be younger. I don't know. You probably are. But uh, I'm looking for guys right now that I can raise up to take my place because the work never should. It should not stop. You know, if I pass on or whatever, the word still got to be preached. You know, what did, what did Paul say to Timothy? You know, preach the word, right? Second Timothy, be in season and out. You know, the time will come where people will not hear sound doctrine, but they will run to teaching with itching ears. You know, and he also told Timothy to endure hardship as a good soldier of Christ. He was very honest with him, but he said, you know, uh, Timothy, stir up the gift that is in you. He told him that. So, but the work should never stop. And we should be looking for people, even right now, I'm looking for people to take my place. And when the time comes for me to leave, you know, I have the church already set up. I have the leaders in place. I have the pastor in place. Uh, and everything is set because I don't want any church. I don't want my church especially to stop just because of me. I want the church to keep going and keep going and keep going. Don't stop. Well, it's interesting because in Nehemiah chapter seven, the wall stops, the program stops. He finishes the project. But he actually does just that. He starts appointing other people to get more stuff done. Uh, you know, in Nehemiah chapter 7, he appoints some gatekeepers, some singers, um, and Levites. And the reason why he's doing that is so people could worship God. Oftentimes, we have problems with boundaries as pastors and stopping the work because we want the attention on ourselves. When we do everything, we get all the accolades and the, everyone looks to us. But when we actually delegate and allow people to serve in their gifts... And the, the sort of lightens the load. Well, you people are more uh, people are more drawn to seeing God work through the, his body yes. and a lot of different people. And so Nehemiah in chapter seven, he starts appointing people so they would worship God and not him. He immediately starts having a team because he knows the, the, the work needs to continue to go on. And so let me ask you this question. How important has it been for you to work from a place of worship? Or another way to say it is. Maybe if you could break down the idea of how ministry should be worship, how it should be an attitude or an overflow of our hearts. And we do things as servant leaders, not to get our own attention, but for uh, to get to bring glory to God. How important is that to have an attitude of worship when you're doing all this work for God? Well, you got to realize who you're doing it for. That's the attitude of worship right there. You're doing it for the Lord. You're doing it for him. Paul said, do it wholeheartedly. Not unto man, but as, as unto the Lord. So that's who you're working for. He's, you're serving him. He said, we serve the Lord Christ. And that's who you're serving. And that's what, uh, that keeps you focused. That keeps you on track. And to, to worship God means that, you know, I'll do whatever it takes, man. I mean, I never, like Nehemiah, when he built the walls, he, he said, let us build. He didn't say, I'm going to just 
uh, do it alone. He delegated and he said, let us build. And he was willing to work along beside the people. And I think that a pastor should never ask anyone to do anything that he's not willing to do himself. But it is a, it's worship. You know, when you teach the word, when you pray, you give the word on Sundays, you always got to do it. Well, who you got to always got to ask yourself, well, who am I doing this for? Am I doing it just to be seen? Am I doing it just to let people see how smart I am or what? So I always check, uh, check my motives and see who I'm doing it for. If I'm doing it for the Lord, then uh, in my opinion, it makes it a lot easier to know who you're doing it for. We can get you a long ways because, you know, you know, on that day, you want him to say, well, well done, good and faithful servant, right? You mean, Paul say, I, I do it unto the Lord and not unto men. So keep the Lord focused who you're working for. It's him that you have to answer to. And just do the best that you very can. We are so limited to what we can do. But the Holy Spirit is there to help us. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit works through not just us, but our team. He's able to get uh, things multiplied. Uh, mm-hmm. As we work together in his leading and his Uh, lordship him as head as the church and so you know nehemiah he appointed leaders based off of character and not charisma we've talked about this from nehemiah he continues to do this in verse two he says i gave my brother hanani and um hanani the governor of the castle charge over jerusalem for he was a more faithful and god-fearing man than many it's interesting the thing that he uh, we see him appoint people based off of character and not gifting. Uh, one of the key leadership principles that I talk to of older, uh, mature pastors, the one mistake they always talk about when picking a team, they uh, are too quick to lay hands on people yeah. because they're tempted because these people are very gifted, but it comes to find out they don't have godly character. Yeah. How important it is to appoint godly leaders on your team and not just gifted leaders maybe you've made the same mistake i don't know what what is that for you when you you recognize you just told me that you have to pick teams uh, uh team members and to help you and to to get rest and those things how important it is to just man look at the things that the lord cares about like character and not just charisma well character is very important because we lead by example and uh god will show you who those people are I have a guy at my church, uh, his name is Jack. You know, Jack, he's very quiet. Jack don't say much. But Jack says, you know what? I think I'm going to keep these, I'm going to keep this lawn. I'm going to cut this lawn at the church and keep it looking nice. And that's his ministry. Every time I go to church, I see Jack out there with the lawnmower, and he's serving, he's cutting the grass. And every time I come to church, uh, the church just looks so nice. And uh, he never brags about it. He never say, and I didn't even know he was even doing it. Somebody told me, well, I asked, I asked some people, I says, who's cutting the grass? And why is this grass is looking so nice? And they said, well, Jack is cutting the grass. It's him doing it. I said, you know what? He never says a word. He never puffs himself up. He never draws attention to himself. And I've learned to recognize people like that. So character is very important and uh, not not laying hands on people too suddenly. That's I mean, that's that's a big mistake. I've made that mistake. Uh, You know, you 
people want to go into ministry for different reasons. And sometimes people go into ministry to, uh, to puff themselves up. They want to draw their attention to themselves and they want to be seen. And you know right away that you shouldn't put those people in a leadership position. But I've done it before because at first it seems like they were fine, but later on it came to find out that they, they was having a hard time uh, with my leadership, and they were trying to tell me how to run the church later on down the line. So I think it's a big mistake to put people in the wrong positions because that can, that can really be problems. And it's very hard to get them out. You know, usually somebody's going to get hurt when you tell them, you know, when you remove them out of that position. But it's sometimes you have to wait. You have to be very patient and wait that God raises up these people. Um, yeah, of course we want people, but you don't want the wrong ones. You want the, the ones that God raises up. Mm-hmm. And you want your team to be knowing that they are, they're appreciative of the work that they're doing. You want to not only just um, look for new people, but you want to appreciate the, those that God has given you. And you want to say thank you. It's interesting because uh, it's often said what's celebrated gets repeated, mm-hmm. right? And so in culture, the way you change things is not by necessarily criticizing, but celebrating good behavior. And in verse five, Nehemiah recognizes and realizes this. And he um, realizes it wasn't just him in ministry. If you look at chapter seven, he records him making a, it's this big genealogy of those who helped. I mean, the list are amazing. I would probably say three quarters of the names in Nehemiah chapter seven. I can't, I can't pronounce, but they are real people. And he's making the time and energy to actually thank them for doing the work. So if you have a team, how do you thank them? How do you recognize them for their hard work as their leader, right? If you're maybe, maybe not even a senior pastor, maybe you're a director over a ministry, a worship leader, and you have a worship team. What are some ways that you've recognized people and thank people? I tell them, number one, how I appreciate them. Like right now, I'm in Florida on vacation. I got people that is, I got every base covered at my church right now. And I know uh, everything's going to be taken care of. I got people to do worship. I got the Sunday school taken care of. I got people uh, going to the bank, depositing the tithes and offerings. Everything has been delegated. And when I get back, I'm going to tell them how much I appreciate them doing that because uh, it's good to go on vacation and not to worry about the church while you're on vacation. Because many times you can take the church on vacation with you when you can't have a good vacation because you're thinking about the church. How is it going to function without me? Well, I found out when I went back and I've done this several times over the years when I've gone back to the church, uh, I found out that people stepped up that I never thought would. They stepped up and made things happen. And I always say, man, I really appreciate that. Man, you got a gift there. You ought to to just pray about that. Uh, I think a senior pastor's word go a long ways, especially when people are trying to find direction and guidance, how God wants to use them. If they hear the senior pastor say, hey, man, I think you got the gift of uh, evangelism, uh, gift of helps or whatever, let them Hey, you know, let them know that so they can start praying about it and let them know how much you appreciate it. You know, I'll go back. I'll I'll go get man uh, gift certificates. I'll go say, hey, man, go out for dinner, man. Take your wife out to dinner for steak dinner, man. Take 
I'll give them some money and say, hey, man, have, hey, here's a hundred bucks. Go buy, go have a good time, man. You know, uh, it, it's not about that. It's just I want them to know that I don't take them for granted because I couldn't be where I am preaching every Sunday unless they back there preaching to those children, unless they taking care of this Sunday school. Uh, I told them, I said, you haven't got to you haven't got to be out front uh, for God to recognize how gifted you are. If if you in the back and God and you uh, ministering to those children, I says God's going to bless you just as much as he would me. So just little things like that you can do to let them know that they're just as important as you are, really. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is you gave a lot of examples, but we do see scripturally as leaders, it is important. Nehemiah chapter seven, I mean, it's a lot of verses. Just recognizing people by name. Uh, one thing I like to do too is, I think it's a little special, uh, is um, write handwritten cards. Mm. Even people in the church that are just a part of the church, they just come on Sundays. They they don't they may not even be serving. I just think I just say, hey, thanks for being so being a body. I see that God's growing. I'm praying for you. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I'll send texts, emails, uh, even with my administrative assistant. Sometimes I know she probably gets tired of this. I don't always do it, but I always asked her asked her a question. I always say thanks, thanks. Oh, thank you so much. Even though she'll email me asking me what to do, I'll give her the instruction. I'll still say okay and thank you for doing that. Yeah. You know, because um, it is important, and that, I think. That's the type of culture that I see people working as a team, good, healthy team members appreciate one another, just well, as the people appreciate us as, as leaders well. Yeah, we give away right now probably 12, 13% of our tithes and offerings to missions. Uh, God has always, always blessed that. And the more he gives, the more we give out. But I also want to help my people in the fellowship also that are struggling. And people are struggling with the prices now. Uh, you know, people have lost their jobs. Rent's going up. Food's going up. And housing going up. And uh, I always have a benevolence fund set aside for people in the fellowship who needs help financially. Yes, yeah, good for evangelism. But also, you know, I want to take care of the home front, too. I want to take care of my people, too. If they have a need, I want to be able to, if I can, uh, I want to be able to meet that need, and and my leaders would never, my leaders would never ask for any financial help. They would never do that ever. I find out through somebody else that they are really hurting and they really needs food or they need help with a light bill or rent or something like that. And then I just I don't I don't even give it to them personally. I just put the money in an envelope and have someone anonymously give it to them. And many times they don't even know what came from. Because I don't want to puff myself up and say, oh, look at him, what he's done. No, you don't have to know what came from. And God has always blessed that. He's always blessed. Every, every penny that we've given out, we've always got it back a hundredfold. I mean, we give out 5,000, usually 10,000 come back. It's crazy. And our church is small. Very fifty people on a good Sunday, uh, so I want to I want to help people. I want to encourage people. I want to tell them how much they appreciate it. And I says, if anything you have, uh, I can do for you. I want you to call me. You have my phone number. I'll be happy to meet with you and pray with you and encourage you. They have to know that. Yeah. And so it's giving. It's really we just need to be generous as leaders. We can give words of affirmation or encouragement. 
we can give financial contribution. We know that in first John, John talks about, well, how can you encourage someone if your brother's hungry, give them some food, man. So we can meet needs. Um, we can recognize people, uh, in secret, right. With a secret letter or even finances, whatever it may be. It's just, it, I think it's important for that to happen. But I also know that there are some of you maybe even listening that you may not have a culture of that. You may be serving behind the scenes, working hard, the ministry is going, and your leader doesn't recognize you. Um, but we know in the end, whether man recognizes us or not, God will reward us. Yeah. God's going to take care of it. And listen, we may be able to give some financial uh, help to the people that follow us and uh, encouragement. But man, God's reward is going to be so much greater. Can you real quick just talk about what does the Bible say about this concept of having our work rewarded by the Lord? Well, Hebrews 6 said, God will not forget your labor of love if you be shown toward the saints that you minister and do minister. He's not going to forget your labor of love. So uh, God is not going to be in our debt. He knows what we do. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. And he's going to reward you for your faithfulness. You know, I'll, I'll probably never be rich, probably never be famous. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, but if I'm serving Christ, I mean, it's, I know in the end I'm going to be rewarded. Not that I deserve any rewards at all, because I would be happy just to get to heaven with no rewards mm-hmm. at all. But he is going to reward us for our faithfulness. And uh, we all must, uh, you know, we all going to have to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. You know, that's not for salvation. That's for rewards. Your salvation has already been established at the cross. It's not a salvation issue, but how have you lived your life? Have you been good steward with the gifts and the talents that I've given you? Uh, what have you done for the kingdom of God? You might think it might be a little thing. A little thing like Jack cutting the grass. You know, Jack, he just out there with his straw head on cutting the grass and he just think it's no biggie. But in God's eyes, it could be a biggie. Things that seem to be so big to us can be very small in God's eyes and things that are very small that we do could be very big in his eyes. So he don't see as man sees. He sees it totally different. And it's good. And that's what we see Nehemiah do. This long list of names is verses 6 through 73. That's how long he goes. He's just, can you imagine him just, not even just like saying that, but just writing it down over and over. It's pretty clear that it takes many people to do a great work of God, to accomplish great things. We know about that with teamwork. But how important is it to remind ourselves that we're not alone in the work? Well, because the word says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You know, I'm one that sticks closer than a brother, you know. Fear not, little flock, it's, you know, it's my pleasure to give you the kingdom. So you got to go on the word and not your feelings. You, you know, your feelings are up and down, back and forth, but the word is not going to change. And he's promised, you know, you walk through the fire, man, I'm going to be with you. you I'm, no matter what you face, I'm going to be with you. Because, you know, when you're going through a trial, Satan's going to tell you different. He's going to say, man, you know, give it up, man. I mean, hey. It's not worth it. He's going to do it. Satan's going to do everything he can to discourage you, but you're going to have to just go by what the word says and not by what you think or what you feel because your feelings change from day to day, from moment to moment. You know, they change, but the word of God is steadfast. You can trust it. So, are there any last words of wisdom or encouragement you have to sort of wrap up this subject of just the work 
never ends. It's a lot of good discussion about teamwork, building each other up, encouragement. Uh, is there any other last words of uh, wisdom or encouragement just thinking about how the work never ends? Well, you know, don't ever say you can't. Can't cannot be in the Christian vocabulary. Uh, God's work is done through his people. If that gospel is going to be preached, it's going to be preached through his people. If the ministry is going to continue, it's going to be done through his people. Now, God can do it if he wanted all by himself, but he has chosen to use people like you, ordinary people like me, ordinary people to do his ministry and to do his work. I think that's a great opportunity for us to realize, hey, that God has chosen me, not because I was so smart, uh, because I have it all together, but God chooses people to do his ministry. So don't ever think that you can't do anything because the Bible says I can do all things, what, through Christ that strengthens me. With God, nothing is impossible. So if God lays something on your heart, you know, if he, if he said, you know, who's going to go, who shall I send? You go, send me, I'll go. Send me. You say that. And you will never, you will never find out your potential until you take that step. And they say that first step is a very hard step to take, the first one. But if you would take that first step and just give the Spirit a chance to use you, he'll take you places, man, you've never been. You'd be surprised. I never thought I'd be a pastor. Never, never thought it. Never thought it. But God knew all the time. Because every Christian, if you're born again, you have great potential. So don't think that you can't. Because if Christ has called you to do do something, he will do the work in you and through you. All he wants is just a willing vessel. That's it. So you be that person. And what you do now is going to count for eternity. What you do if... You know, as, as someone has said, this, this life shall soon pass, but the only thing that is done for Christ will last. Everything else is temporary. It's going to burn. But the things that you do now will last throughout eternity. You know, so give it all you got. Well, I hope you enjoyed that bonus episode. As the work continues, and I'm working hard to get you another new season, season five of the Leadership Lessons podcast, and I'm doing a couple of things different. Going to complete the book of Nehemiah every other week, dropping a new bonus episode. We have seven bonus episodes to complete this book, and as you wait, there's going to be more stuff happening, a couple announcements later on in these bonus episodes, and I'm excited to share with you. But for now, check out our YouTube page as I'm giving you more content there. And as I pray and plan through our next season, I'm looking forward to seeing you in the next episode.